Let us turn again to Hebrews chapter 1. And our text is found in verse 1 and part of verse 2. Our text begins with God and it ends with his Son. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time passed on to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. The epistle to the Hebrews is always setting forth the supreme superiority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here he is as the superior prophet. Two main points. God hath spoken. We have to consider that. And then secondly, we have to consider how God's speaking has undergone a great change in these last days. First of all then, God has spoken. God spake in time past. Hath in these last days spoken unto us. He's a speaking God. Now that is the foundation of all true religion. It is that God is a speaking God. That's a major pillar of Christianity. God himself declaring himself, revealing himself, showing us the way to himself. This cannot be done unless God communicates this knowledge himself. He tells us his mind. Just whenever we speak, we declare our mind. We set forth our thoughts. We make known our will. And God is a God who does that. He communicates. The first three propositions of revealed religion are these. First, God is. He exists. The second is God is creator of man. After his own image. And the third is, God communicates to this man that he has created after his image, after his own likeness. The first two propositions rule out atheism, but says God is not. God is. God is creator of all things. The third proposition rules out agnosticism. Because agnosticism says while God may be, he cannot be known. He does not reveal himself and he cannot be known. He's the great unknown. But this proposition teaches that God can be known because he reveals himself. He speaks. The mighty God, even Jehovah, hath spoken, the Bible says. God hath spoken in his holiness. The Lord said, we read again and again throughout the scriptures. Now, if one does not speak, it is either because he cannot or does not will to do. Neither is true of God. He can communicate and he wills to communicate and he does. God hath spoken. This is a wonderful thing. We have to think about the wonder of it, the marvel of it, 
that God communicates his will to us. He's not a dumb idol. You know how the nations make dumb idols and make them to have mouths, but they cannot speak. And they have no will. And they do not communicate their thoughts. And they don't even have thoughts. But God is not like that. They have mouths, but they speak not. But God, who made the mouth, does speak and communicate to us. And we read that he did this before the fall. He communicated with Adam. He commanded Adam. The Bible tells us, we read in Genesis, that he could eat of every tree of the garden freely, but of a certain tree, the knowledge of good and evil, he could not eat of it. So there was this communication. And that was one of the reasons why Adam was made in the image of God. So that there could be this communication. That he might be capable of receiving God's word and that he might be capable of bringing his own word to God. So it's all about communication. It's a fundamental proposition of revealed religion that God can and does communicate with his creature, man. He can tell us his mind and his will. And we communicate with one another because God gives us this ability. It's part of our being made in God's image. We can talk and convey our mind to one another. And he who hath made man's mouth is certainly able to speak himself. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But God has to communicate to us how to do that. He has to tell us how we can bring him glory and enjoy him. And he gives us his word. He speaks. His word is a guide. His word is a rule. And so the next the question is, uh, what rule have God given to us whereby we may glorify and enjoy him? And the scriptures, his word. So there at the very start of our shorter catechism, we're meeting with this truth. So he speaks to Adam before the fall. But the amazing thing is, that after the fall, God continues this. God continues to speak. He, he doesn't turn his back and he doesn't go away and he doesn't remain silent. He continues to speak. Sin has entered. Mankind has departed from God. Mankind has become depraved. And we might think, well, God won't speak to us anymore. But that's not what happened. After Adam's sin, God still came. He called Adam, he's still communicating to Adam, he's still speaking to Adam. And whenever the apostle writes our text, he's writing about things after the fall. Whenever man's lost and in sin, God in sundry times and in divers manners is speaking to us still. And he's spoken to us in these last days, even though we're sinners. He's still speaking to us. That's very important and that just shows the grace of God. As sinners, we need him to speak on. In fact, after the fall entered, we need God to speak to us far more than he ever did speak to man before the fall. And so in our text, that's the wonderful thing of grace and of the gospel, that God is still speaking to sinners. It's a marvelous thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, if God has spoken, and he has, he has done so for a purpose. And that purpose is a saving purpose. 
He doesn't speak to the devils and the demons. They're going to perish. They're going to be lost. But he speaks to men continually. He still speaks to mankind. Because he has a purpose of grace. A purpose of salvation. A saving purpose. To direct sinners back to himself. And we cannot be saved congregation. Apart from a God who speaks to us. And who reveals himself to us. And we can be saved. Because God is a speaking God. And he's given us his holy word. In order to save us. And that we might be saved. We would perish in darkness. If God did not speak to us. You remember how David was afraid of that. He says don't be silent to me Lord. If you're a silent God. I'll go down to the pit. I'll be lost. Don't be silent to me. Lest I be like them that go down to the pit. Keep not silence. O God. Hold not thy peace. The psalmist says. And be still before me O Lord. So God mercifully speaks to us even though we're sinners. He doesn't be still, but he comes in grace proclaiming to us his glorious salvation and his marvelous mercy and his truth. Not only does God speak doing that all the time, but he requires that his ministers do it as well. He says, I've set watchmen upon your walls and they shall never hold their peace day or night and you that make mention of the Lord keep not silence so God's ministers are never to be silent God's ministers are to keep preaching God's word because God is like that he's always declaring his word his name and so as Christians we must give the Lord thanks For his revelation in grace and in mercy. We must just bless him that he has spoken to us in these ways. And has given to us the gospel message. Bless the Lord, O my soul, for a speaking God. And the question, of course, then to sinners is. If God has spoken and if God is speaking to us still in these last days by his son. The question is, are you listening? Are you giving heed? Do you hear God? He made you with ears to hear. Remember how the Lord Jesus was always saying, so frequently did he repeat it, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. God is speaking. Listen. Listen to his word. But we read so often in the Bible, but they refuse to hearken. They refuse to listen. They pulled away their shoulder, the Bible says. They stopped their ears that they should not hear the speaking God. So it's a terrible thing to close your ears to God's word and to his voice. So don't be like your fathers, the prophets had to say very many times. Unto whom all the prophets before came. You wouldn't listen to them. They said turn. But you would not hearken to them. Saith the Lord. They hearkened not God says. Nor inclined their ear. But walked in the counsels. And in the imaginations of their evil heart. And went backward. And not forward. 
And because I have called, God says, and you have refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You've said it not all my counsel and with none of my reproof. God is always saying this to sinners. You won't listen. I'm speaking, but you won't give heed to my word. So you have to listen. One of the first things a sinner has to do, even before he can be saved, is to start listening to God, listening to his word, listening to this voice that has spoken by the prophets in these last days by his son. And so if you're a Christian, this is why you are a Christian, because God has spoken to you, he has made you to hear, he has circumcised your ears to hear. Wasn't that how we were saved? We heard God's word. And something happened. Something took place. He circumcised our ears. The word went in. We knew it was God's word. We knew it was his truth. It was changing. It gave us repentance and faith. It turned us about. That's how we were saved. When we heard God. When we started listening to God. My sheep hear my voice. The Savior says. And they follow me. So we were converted. Because God was speaking to us. Through his word. Here's a mark of a Christian. Christian is one who heareth God's word. He has an ear. For the word of God. May this revelation then. That God gives of himself. May we all have grace. To listen to God. So that's the first point. God hath spoken. But then the second point is that how God has spoken has undergone change down through the generations. And this is most evident in our text. There are two divisions. God who at sundry time and in divers manners spake in the time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath In these last days, this present time, this latter days in which we find ourselves, he has spoken unto us by his son. That's a great change. Speaking by the prophets in former times, but now speaking to us through his son. And the apostle is drawing attention to that mega change. Now in our Bibles, that Change is clearly visible for us in the Christian church. Because in our Bibles, don't we have the Old Testament? And we have the New Testament. And that's a striking physical thing, setting forth this truth of these two distinctions. In the Christian church, we have two parts to our Bibles. We have the Old Testament, and we have the New Testament revelation. And that's a visible representation of what the apostle here is is really saying. You see, the Jews, they reject Christ. They reject God's Son. They have nothing to do with the Son of God. And they just have the Old Testament. They're, They're still in that former dispensation. They're still, as it were, holding on to that. Having rejected these latter time revelation through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And they don't have the New Testament. They reject the New Testament. They don't receive the revelation in Christ, in the Son of God. They reject God's Son. 
Of course, many Jews received Christ whenever the Lord Jesus was among men and they became Christians. Most of the early Christians were Jews who believed in Jesus Christ and received the New Testament, the New Covenant revelation through him. Of course, many of the Jews who continued in unbelief, they have gone on with their descendants, continuing on down the generations in that unbelief to this day rejecting the Son of God. And they've just the Old Testament scriptures. And even that they don't listen to. There's a veil over their eyes. And their ears are not circumcised to see Messiah. Even in the Old Testament scriptures have even been blinded. And don't listen yet to the voice of God in the Old Testament prophets. So they have the Old Testament. And even that they, they don't hear. But the Christian community to whom the apostle is addressing this epistle they have received Christ and they receive this further revelation in him. Paul is writing to a Christian community. He's not writing to Jews, but to believers. To those who have received the Son and who know the Son. You see, he doesn't mention Jesus. He doesn't mention the name. He doesn't talk about Jesus by name until I don't think the next chapter. Uh, he just talks about the Son. Uh, he is assuming the Christian community know who the Son is. They know that he's Jesus, Jesus the Christ. He's writing to them. He's writing not to convert them, but he's writing to strengthen their faith. He's writing to establish them in the revelation of the Son of God. He's writing to confirm them in their belief of Christianity so that they won't be tempted to go back to the, the Judaism, back to the old and turn away from Jesus Christ. So he's speaking to the Christian community. That they may be strengthened in their faith. That they may be made more steadfast. And on no account turn away again from the Lord. And so Christians know this. Christians know that God's revelation is in and by his son Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's a wonderful and dramatic change. That took place whenever the virgin gave birth to Jesus of Nazareth. Whenever God manifested in flesh came upon earth. And began to deliver the words of the Father. That was a marvellous change. That was a mega change from Old Testament times. That was really what the Old Testament prophets were pointing to. And now it has come. The Son of God is come. Bless his name. So it's a wonderful change. Now the thing about these, these two dispensations, if you like, is that it's not a different God who speaks. It's the same God. The God who speaks in the Old Testament is the same God who speaks in his Son. Now the Jews, they reject the New Testament. They reject the Son. But there were heretical groups in the Christian church and they rejected the Old Testament and just took Christianity as a new religion and the God of Christianity different from the God of the Old Testament. But that's not the case. It's the same God. The same God who spoke in the prophets in the Old is the same God who speaks in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. There's a continuity, you see. Whenever I talk about a change, 
I'm not talking about a new start, something altogether different, something new beginning, and the continuity has been broken. No, the continuity has not been broken. It's a continuation on to the end, the same God speaking, but it's taken a mega leap whenever God sent his own son. Instead of just raising up the ordinary prophets, this revelation took a quantum leap, even though there is a continuity. So the Christian church does not and cannot reject the Old Testament. That's God speaking as much as the New Testament. God spoke in different times to the prophets, different ways, but it was always through the prophets. You notice that it doesn't say he spoke to us through the prophets and then there were others. They had dreams, they had visions, they had these things. No, it was always the prophets. He spoke through the prophets. But he spoke to them differently in visions and dreams. He came as the word of the Lord to them. He gave them the message. Maybe he dictated at times the message. But it was always to the prophets. God has spoken to us in the prophets. And these prophets, they wrote the scriptures. And by inspiration, they penned these revelations of God to them through his word. But it was always through the prophets, these different visits that they had from God It's the same religion you see. It's the same revelation because it's from the same God. Brethren and sisters, Christianity is not a new religion. It's the old religion brought into greater and fuller light by the revelation of the Son of God himself. It's the same religion. It's the same body of believers. It's the same God And the same salvation through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So Jews, they reject that light. They resist the Holy Spirit. They turn away from Christ. But the Christian community are those who have believed it and received it. And now the fathers of the faith are their fathers in Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a continuity in in this But there's also a greater relevancy in this to us. Because you'll see how how the Apostle puts it. God at Sunday times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers. But in these last days you see he's spoken unto us by his son. And that's us even today. It continues on. He's speaking about the Christian church, the Christian community. Even hundreds of years later it's the same God is speaking to us still by his Son in the light of the gospel in this revelation of the new covenant. It's relevant to us. God is speaking to you in his Son. He's speaking to sinners in his Son. That's why it's a terrible thing to reject Christ, to reject the Son of God, to close your ears to the gospel. Because it's God speaking to us in his son. Uh, and there's a finality about it too. In these last days. In these latter times. You see congregation. We're in the last times now. And you know when they commenced. They commenced when Jesus Christ was born. Whenever he came into the world. The kingdom of God. Was at hand. It was close. It came closer than it ever did before when Christ came into the world. He brought heaven with him because he's the king of heaven. When he came, heaven came. It's near. And because the Son of God reigns at the right hand of God, that kingdom is still close to us in Christ, 
in his humanity to us. He's brought it near and it's still with us in our Savior, in our head. And he's speaking to us. And these latter days, I know they've gone on for 2,000 years. The Messianic times was predicted in the Old Testament to be a long time. A long time. But Christ is reigning now. He's at the right hand of God. We're in the age of the Spirit. We're in the dispensation of grace. We're in the Messianic times, these latter times. And what's God doing throughout all the duration of these times? A 2,000 years so far. It may, for all I know, go on for another 2,000 years. Who can tell? It's a long time, this Messianic age, with Christ reigning at the right hand of the Father, that sinners may be brought in. It's a long time. But he's speaking to us now. He's speaking to us in this day and generation. And he's speaking to us in his Son. And through his Son, Jesus Christ, who has given to us the Holy Spirit. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. So we're in the last age because the fullness of time came and Christ arrived. And we're in the last dispensation. Now, there's no major changes to take place. There'll be wars and all kinds of things happening. And the next event is the advent of Christ coming from the right hand of God. And all this messianic age is a time when the believers are brought in to faith by hearing God, by giving heed to him, and by re receiving the great salvation that is through him. So there's a finality about this. There's no more revelations. There are no more prophets to be raised up this quantum leap in Jesus Christ. He's a great prophet. He's a mega prophet. There are no more prophets. Joseph Smith is a false prophet. The church of the Latter-day Saints is a false church. The revelation that they profess in the Book of Mormon is a false profession. It's a lie. The finality is in the New Testament. The completeness is in the revelation that Jesus Christ has given to us in himself and through his apostles. Joseph Smith is not a latter-day prophet. Muhammad is not God's last and great and mega-prophet as Islam professes. It's Jesus Christ, his son. He's the mega-prophet. He's the last voice. God has spoken to us in these last times. The finality of it. By his son. There's nothing after the New Testament. As far as heavenly revelation is concerned. And this is illustrated by the great event on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember how the Lord Jesus went up into the mount and he was transfigured before them. There was this marvelous appearance of Moses and of Elijah. The apostles, they thought this was a great thing. They thought this was a wonderful thing. Oh, we have to get these prophets to stay among us. We'll have to get tents for them all so we can have a good time. Listen to these old prophets, these former prophets. Father came over and he says, This is my beloved son. Hear him. They're not greater than him. They've finished their message. They belong to the old. It's my son. The mega revelation, the fullness of the revelation, the revelation of myself is in my son as never before. Hear him, listen to him. So that's a wonderful illustration of what the apostle here is writing about in these early verses. While there's a continuity, you see, there's also a disjunction, a change. Not something contrary, not something the opposite. 
but something that has been brought up to a higher level. A quantum leap, as I say. Because Christ is superior to the prophets. And where is this Christ? He's at the right hand of God. That's the great prophet. That's some leap. From all the prophets among men. To one now in our, in our nature. At the right hand of God. So there is that disjunction. In that sense. And that prediction of the Old Testament. will come to pass in the last days. At the mountain of the Lord's house. Where all the revelation is. It will be established in the top of the mountains. And it will be exalted above the hills. And all the nations will flow onto it. The prophet there is speaking of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. The last great prophet. Who is also himself the temple of God unto us. And we are all going up to him. To get the light. We are all going up to him. To receive the revelation. And to get the knowledge of God. And to have communion with God. Through him. So all the prophets. Are on a par with one another. But this last prophet. Is the son. His son. So Paul is saying Christ is superior to the prophets. And the revelation through Christ. Is the fullness of the revelation. That is in him. He is the sun. He's the light. He is the bright and morning star. He comes from heaven itself. And when the sun speaks, it's God speaking. There's a vast difference between his revelation and that which was given through the prophets. They got it by dreams. They got it by visions. They got it by uh, the word coming to them in the different ways. But he's the sun. And the Son is the bosom Son who dwells in the bosom of the Father, who knows the Father. And the Father knows the Son because they're two divine persons interrelated in union in the Godhead. The bosom Son, the Word who was with God, who was made flesh, who came into the world and is the only begotten Son who declares the Father unto us. Remember how the Lord Jesus said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Father but the Son. Neither knoweth any man the Son but the Father. And we only know the Father because the Son reveals him unto us. So Christ's revelation is altogether different. And the question is, why does God do this? Why does he speak in his Son? Why not just go on speaking in the prophets? Why not just go on continuing to give us prophets? And continuing that, oh, why send his son? Why, why do this? Why not just the continuation of Judaism as Judaism believes? Because Judaism is just a preparation for the son coming. The son coming is the main thing. That's saving. That's wonderful. That's gracious. And so God has spoken to us in his son. And the prophets, they were just steps leading to that, that great height itself. And so you'll notice here there's no pronoun his when it talks about his son. It's in italics. He speaks in son. He speaks in a son. Now, of course, this is his son, his only begotten son. But as I say, he doesn't use a pronoun because... He's emphasizing, he's showing the height 
and the, the kind of the revelation. Whenever we say someone speaks in Latin, we know what that means. They're, they're conveying it in, in Latin in that language. And whenever God speaks to us in son, he's conveying it in the language of sonship. And what language is that? It's the language of love. When God sends his son, it's the language of love because God loves his son. And this son that he loves, what does he do? He sends him personally into a world of sinners in grace. Yes, the prophets give us light. They give us understanding. They couldn't really give us a revelation of the love of God. They could tell us about it. They could talk about it, and they did. But you see, when the son came, he's a demonstration of it. His very coming is a revelation in itself. God so loved the world, he gave his son. He speaks in his son. Yes, he raised up prophets and that was easy. But he speaks in his son. In a kindly way. In a family way. In a way of grace. Here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And gave his son. To be the propitiation for our sins. So speaking in his son shows us the love of God to us. God manifested in flesh. And in Christ we see pure unbounded love. You see Christ is not just a prophet. He's a great prophet. Just as he's a great high priest. He's the ultimate prophet. Because he is the bosom son who declares God. That's not just the words that he speaks. You see, the prophets, they communicated words. They conveyed the words. God was in them in inspiration. And he used their mouth and he, he spoke through them. And they just revealed the words. That's, that's all they could do. They could only say what God said. But you see, Christ, every breath he takes, everything he does, every action, every work, every step, is a communication of God. It's a revelation of God. Remember the Lord Jesus says. He that has seen me. Has seen the Father. Every step I take. Is like a step the Father would take. Everything I do. Is the way the Father would do it. Every word I say. They're not my own words. All of them are the Father's words. I and my Father are one. He says. He's speaking in a son. See all those miracles that he did? That's God speaking in his son. Telling of his compassion. Telling of his kindness for sinners. Telling of the mercy that he has for the downtrodden. And the beaten and the defeated. And those who have fallen by the way into the mire. He is gracious to raise them up. And he speaks by his son to tell us as he declares his love. And the best. In the highest way that he possibly could. When he sent his son to take human nature. To walk among men. And to communicate himself in his son. It's, it's a marvelous revelation Christianity. So all his miracles as well as his words reveal God. His cross reveals God's love and God's mercy. The prophets say tell us about God. But the Son, he brings God to us. And he brings us to God. And that's how we're saved, really. We couldn't be saved without the Son of God coming and being sent. 
And so marvellous is the love of God to us. He's spoken by his Son. And that is why congregation, to reject the Son of God and to turn away from him is the ultimate sin. It's the greatest sin of all to reject the Son of God. When you turn away from his Son, it's the highest insult to the Father. It's the greatest wickedness. For they despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. The apostle goes on later to say, How much sore punishment suppose ye shall they have who have trodden underfoot the Son, who've done despite to the Son, who've rejected that revelation of love in the Son? Of how much greater punishment to suppose you that they are worthy of? You know, we talk about the, the terrible sin of breaking the moral law, and we think that's the worst. But it's not. Unbelief concerning Christ is the worst. Rejection of God's love and the Son of God is the worst. This is terrible. To despise the grace in a son. To turn away from the Son. To shove the Son away. To walk on the Son of God. To trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God. To close your ears to the words of the Son of God. That's the greatest sin of all. The greatest sin of unbelief. And so the apostle goes on to say. Oh see that you do not refuse him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth. That is in speaking against the law of Moses. But how much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. You see, that's where the Son of God is. He's at the right hand of God in heaven. And he's speaking to us still. And if we turn away from that voice, we're just worse than those who turn away from the Ten Commandments. Worse. So don't reject Jesus Christ. Oh, turn unto Jesus. Turn to the Father's love by faith in Jesus Christ. Embrace this Christ and hear God's voice speaking to you in his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And to him be glory. And may the Lord bless his people through his word tonight for his great name's sake.